0: Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Era 204, the podcast where we discuss theology from a reformed perspective and genuinely nerdy things where there's no content that you won't love. I'm Luke Denner.
1: And I'm Mark Fromey.
0: Today, we are going to be talking about the movie Calvinist, which is a documentary put out by Les Lanphier. Fantastic, fantastic movie. We're also just going to talk a little bit about what's coming up on Tuesday, or when you guys get this on Tuesday, which is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, just some of the implications that has for the church, why that was so pivotal in church history, and then use that as a launching pad in the future episodes to talk about the doctrines of grace. So that's where we're going. We're also going to cover phones a little bit. Now Mark is much more knowledgeable on that area than I am, so I'm just going to be there for the the entertainment aspect of that. So, that's where this podcast is headed. With that, let's go ahead and dive in. Mark, how you been doing this week? You've had a pretty exciting week.
1: I've had a super exciting week. Uh, this was is, this is a great week for, for my wife and me. Um, so, for those of you who may not know yet, we've already posted on Facebook and everything, but uh, my wife is pregnant, and on Friday of this past week, we got to go to the hospital and actually see an ultrasound and everything um, of the baby, which was super exciting and, and absolutely amazing. Um, so we, had, uh, we got married in May, and in June, uh, my wife was pregnant. And, or probably June, but at the very first week of July, um, she had a miscarriage, and we, we lost our first baby. And so that was, that was a very difficult time. Um, and apparently she got pregnant very shortly after that also. Um, by God's grace, I mean, there's no way to really explain that. It's very uncommon when people have miscarriages for, for the body to be able to um, sustain life that quickly again. Uh, so, so it's purely by God's g- grace and provision. But we have a, we have a healthy baby uh, right now that's growing and uh, super exciting. Uh, we we're in she's uh, Lindsay is into the second trimester which is good because the the chances for for miscarriage and things like that drop dramatically and, and you're really past the high risk point once you get into the second trimester which is good but Friday we got to I, I left work early and went to the to the hospital with her so we could see the ultrasound. And again, we never got to see anything like that with our first baby, and so this was a new experience for us and it was absolutely amazing like I'm it's hard to find words to describe it to see uh, on watch on the little screen where you know they're they have this machine where they're uh, rubbing around on her belly trying to find the find the baby and and being able to see, um, just a very clear picture. I mean, it was it was very. You've seen the pictures; they were very very clear. Yeah. Um, I've had there was some people that when Lindsay posted the photos said it was the clearest ultrasound that they've ever seen. Um, it was just very easy and defined and. Man, yeah, it was see. usually
0: I can't tell what parts of the baby are what in those things. Oh, but I know yours was every time, Super I, clear. I,
1: that's what I was expecting. Like every time I've seen an ultrasound, I've been like. So that's a baby. Okay, I, like I can't tell, but like with this one it was super super clear. And and from my from for me as the father obviously I'm not um quite in the same position. I'm just sitting there watching like I'm an observer in this whole whole situation. And they were trying to do like they were getting measurements of like the head's progression and the the length of the femurs and all this stuff like they were going through these different steps. Uh, all the different data they have to get, they take the heart rate, and as they were doing that, like especially for the heart rate, the baby has to be like super still for the machine to calculate it. And we like she's got it pulled on the screen, and we just see like the baby moving around so much, and and his head bouncing around, and his arms moving moving up. By his, I'm saying his, we don't know uh, it's the gender be a boy. Is, is not I'm something you know. I, I hope it's a boy, but. Uh, we don't know. And
0: you will name him Luke Jacob Fromey.
1: Definitely not happening.
0: Uh, Jacob Fromey, Mark's brother and I are going to start a petition for that. <laughs> I don't think it's going to have any effect whatsoever on Mark and Lindsay, it, but if you'd like not. to support us, <laughs> we're not actually going to do that. Um, we did discuss it, though. I'd be lying if I said Jake and I didn't talk about that.
1: I mean, you you both petitioned it to me,
0: so... <laughs> it's worth a shot.
1: Uh, but no, I mean, sitting there and seeing the baby move around, like... Uh, th- throw itself around like it was like rolling around inside of, in- inside of of Lindsay and the the ner- the, techs were talking about how difficult it was to like, get their measurements because the baby was just moving so much, and being able to watch that and see that was just amazing to me and 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 I sat like I'm glad that everybody's eyes were glued to that screen because I was sitting. Towards the back of the room, watching it, and I was just crying, like, to see the miracle that is life, to see God's provision and creation, in such early stages, and to know that everything about that is, is purely through His grace and purely through um, His power that 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 baby exists and that that baby is sustaining life and healthy. It was it was the most amazing thing that I, i've i witnessed i mean it's i have no uh hesitancy in saying that it, it was absolutely amazing to, to be able to see that and and witness that and experience that and Lindsay and i i mean we were on cloud nine all day from from the time we left that we were so stoked and and you could see the hands moving around and, and she was showing us you can make out like the lips on on the baby and and the nose and all of these you could see the eyes and it was just so detailed and so um, fascinating to see the baby, and be like, God, God used me to create that, not because I'm worthy of creating that or being a part of that, but because that's how God ordained it and designed it to be. And, and I get to participate and and bear witness to His glory through the creation of life. And, and it was it was so amazing and awe inspiring to see that. And so. That was, I mean, that's the highlight of my year, being able to see. Definitely. I mean, I got it I got married be. this year, and, and uh,
0: now they I should be right right there neck and neck. I,
1: I, I think get, getting married and being able to commit myself and join my wife in covenant is probably the highlight of my year. Very 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 close second is being able to see my baby, and so yeah. uh, that was that was amazing. And then to to really add to that high, on Friday. Right before we went to the hospital, I got got home from work early. We were getting ready to leave, and the UPS guy showed up with my my Nintendo Switch with Mario Odyssey on it. And so I I bought, brought that inside, and we went to the hospital and came back came back home and got that all hooked up. I spent my evening playing Super Mario, which was a total nostalgia trip. The game's an absolute blast. I, I spent all weekend playing it and, and beat the story actually this afternoon and uh which is good
0: because that means i might be able to get you back every now and then for games
1: because <laughs> <laughs> well, i knew you got all you gotta, I knew all you I gotta do, be there all you gotta do is tell Lindsay to play stardew valley and she'll, <laughs> she'll steal it from <laughs> me and get not you let back. me touch it so she i bought i bought stardew valley on the switch for her because she she played a little bit of mario and she'll play something here and there but it's just not quite her style and so i wanted to get a game that she was really going to enjoy and Stardew Valley it was only 15 bucks and picked that up and, and she was playing, has been playing that a bunch and I've played a lot less Mario than I probably wanted to because I had to <laughs> share the Switch with her, but but it's been an awesome weekend man, It's it's been crazy, uh, just I'm still like, it's Sunday night now and I'm still on a high from, from Friday and, yeah. and I, I still am in my... When I'm just sitting around watching a show or something, I just pull out my phone and look at the ultrasound picture, and it's like, man, yeah. sometime in like it's the, super spring, the spring of next year, I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to hold that baby. It's gonna be so amazing by God's grace. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So yeah,
0: that's that's awesome. Well, was your most, week as good as
1: mine?
0: <laughs> uh, my week was pretty good. It, it was not. It was not seeing an ultrasound of my my child good but it was it was good it was a lot of exciting stuff happened for me too Uh, i think all the people who need to hear it from me and my wife have heard it from my wife and i now and so this is this is something i think you're excited about too and as you're talking about your kid has me even more excited because i will hopefully be there for the birth not like not like present for the birth (laughs) i I don't want that but you know like i'll be around and i'll be able to see this kid without having to wait for you to come back and so my wife and i are looking to move up and, and join mark and Lindsay with the church planting as well as um, probably would be working alongside Mark at least that's my hope at at Magna international, and so none of that is set in stone yet, but I've been talking with with a recruiter up there in Michigan through the same company that Mark works with, and it's looking pretty promising yeah so dude. and that that all kind of came together this week like we've been talking about it for a long time,
1: but I've been it came... try- dude since I moved up here, I've been trying to convince you to come
0: you have been and and it just started coming together this week where, like, Ashley hadn't been fully on board. Um, my wife hadn't been fully on board with it. And just over conversations we had this week and seeing the opportunities, and she's actually to a point now where and this is, again, the grace of God and seeing him wind my wife's heart and my heart up in, in the mission he has for us and seeing her get to a point where she's excited for it now. And, like, she's been telling me she gets more and more excited the more she thinks about it. And it's really cool too. We told our parents about it, and they're they're all been super supportive and excited, been excited for us. And I mean, obviously they're sad to see their kids moving away, but they're also very supportive and very excited to see where God's going to take us with this.
1: And dude, coming so, to West Michigan gives them a good vacation spot. Trust me, it, it
0: it does. And that's the nice thing too is like it's not far away from home, so it's not hard for them to come visit or us to go visit down here. Yeah. And so it's it's exciting stuff. Like it's it's something that's definitely been. It's had me psyched this week so again not on the level of, of the kid but <laughs> but still definitely some very very exciting stuff and yeah
1: dude we'll have to i mean my wife and i Lindsay and i are coming back uh in november around thanksgiving for a little over a week so we may have to try to record an episode while we're together or something
0: we should do that we, we may have to try to maybe even live stream an episode or something
1: yeah, dude. But or do, do a video? You, at least do some kind of video episode or something. That'd be. That do need. a
0: face reveal for everyone.
1: Yeah for for those of you who need to see our faces and wonder what we look like.
0: I mean, if they do that, they may not come back.
1: That's fair. But yeah, so we two, could we could we could do a full video like live stream video with our faces just blurred out.
0: Just blur them out. That might be better for people. But that way, like, I don't know how you do when you podcast. But I don't care that there's nobody like watching me. I still wave my hands all over the place like John Piper. So. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Like I have to be careful not to hit my mic.
1: Yeah, I gotta, I gotta be mindful of mine as well whenever I get get going. I mean, dude, we're both God. God wired us for preaching, man, and we we move like preachers when we get going. So
0: we really do. We really do. Like we, we make sure that you know where your eyes need to be directed. Um, yeah, and and not that that's on us, but you know, to be paying attention to God's word is being being yeah. preached. So. Because again, on our own, Mark and I have nothing good to say, but nope, not at all. by the grace of God, he uses us, and we can't even express, or at least I know I can't begin to express how grateful I am for that. Absolutely. But, but yeah, very, very big week for, for both of us. I, awesome. I will.
1: Dude, I'm excited for all of that.
0: Yeah, same. Yeah, I, I did not even thought of that until you started talking about it. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. I should be up there, and I'll be able to hold this kid, and that's got me excited. Yeah. So... I can be crazy, Uncle Luke. Oh boy. Oh, hey, that's a good thing if it's a girl. Maybe not so much if it's a boy. I might teach him bad stuff, but yeah, if it's a girl, you got someone who's willing to, you know, chase off all the boys. <laughs> and I'm just insane so. enough that, you know, I'll actually scare them off. So,
1: that's also true.
0: That's that's what I'm here for. But anyway, <laughs> that's that's what's been going on in our lives. Well, let's go ahead and jump into discussing Calvinist. Yeah, Lindsay and I
1: watched that Thursday night. Yeah,
0: it is. I I watched it a lot. I probably should have watched it again just to be fresh on it, and I didn't get around to it this week because there's been a lot going on this week. But it is is a a documentary that I would strongly recommend. I don't know. I would not recommend it to someone who's not familiar with the Doctrines of Grace yet without you there to, like, discuss with them afterwards. I don't think it's... uh, a tool that should be just thrown at people and left, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it,
1: it definitely invokes discussion. And, and for yeah. someone who's, it, it's a good introduction, but it definitely leaves, it leaves room for a lot of discussion. So being able to, to address any questions or, or thoughts or kind of walk through different aspects of it yeah, right and there, are- I think is helpful.
0: And there are some things said in it that aren't aren't bad by any means, but could probably use clarification or may lead sure. to follow up questions. And so, so yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say like if you've been you know talking with someone who's opposed to the doctrines of grace or new to the doctrines of grace and, and not quite ready to to accept them, I wouldn't say oh well here's a documentary for you to throw their way and yeah. leave it at that. Now to offer to sit down with them and watch through it and be able to like pause and discuss or set up like a, a weekly meeting to watch bits of it. That, that could be a fantastic tool for that. Yeah. But I wouldn't rely on it to do the talking for you. I would almost sure, say yeah. watch through it, get a better understanding or maybe a, a a new way of wording things and then use that as a springboard to talk with people. Yeah. Or yeah, if definitely. you're in a reformed church, it could be great for like Bible studies or small groups or something like that and have something to discuss. So.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. Um
0: but yeah, so let's let's give a little bit of information about it really quick. So Calvinist is a documentary by yes. Les It Has a whole slew of guys in it. I should have the list pulled up, I don't, but it's got like you got guys from all the way from um, Is it I mean you got Paul, R. C. Sproul's in it? Paul Washer?
1: Uh, Paul Washer's Paul in Washer,
0: it. Paul Washer, R. C sprue with Shylin. Like you got a huge, Lin, dude. Shai huge slew across the board. Um uh, yeah. you got Ligon Duncan. Joe Thorne Joe, Joe Thorne another shout out for dr Nevo <laughs>
1: our, our Scott Clark was in it um, yep uh, Jeff yeah, Durbin Tim, Tim Challies, Jeff Durbin yeah uh, man there, I mean there's so many uh, so many people a lot and of a lot of very smart, fantastic guys very good people uh, yeah. to have in something like that
0: yeah so you get you get a good sampling and it, it is cool to see too like you get a good sampling across three four percent perspective, because like you have Archie Sproul, who's obviously a very staunch Presbyterian, mm-hmm. and then you have Joe Thorne, who's a Reformed Baptist, and so it's not like they went with their particular flavor of Reformed theology. They were going no, to yeah. pull guys in from across the board yeah. to talk about this, which is really, really cool to see. And so it goes over a little bit of like the history of Calvinism, um, it goes over the five points in the doctrines of grace, or what we call tulip a lot of times, and then... It gets a little bit... At the very end, and this is probably actually my favorite part of it, is at the very end when it gets a little bit into the dangers of Calvinism and like yeah. looking at everything that went on with Mark Driscoll and some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, that was and, good stuff.
0: And then it gets into the importance of creeds and confessions. And so that's kind of like a, an overview of the movie. Again, sit down and watch it. It's it's not an expensive movie. It's like 20 bucks, Yeah. And yeah, it is so. well worth the money.
1: You can buy it online, or you can buy DVDs or Blu-ray for thirty. Uh, and you can buy physical copies over at Missionalware, and I think the digital. That's another site that we
0: probably have not plugged near enough. Missionalware is a fantastic site that you guys should check out.
1: We need to talk to them. And maybe we can get some sponsors with them or something.
0: That would be cool. They're they got great stuff. Like I. They're awesome. Like since I discovered them, every birthday or Christmas since, I've been asking for something of theirs.
1: Yeah. I definitely I need to get some more stuff from there, but. Missionary is an awesome place.
0: They aren't. They're they're great. So if you can support those guys in any way, you should definitely be doing that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of the the overview of the movie. It is a documentary, so it's it's not like a, a theatrical film or anything like that. No, but, yeah,
1: not dr- dramatized or anything like that. But it's it's a good documentary. It's the production value is amazing. It, uh, it really is the, is. the first movie that Les has ever made. Uh, He's worked on others before. He's worked on production stuff. So, I mean, that is what his career is in, is uh like I think it's video production or some kind of media something or other. But uh, he's very so good at what like he does. it's not like he's an, a rookie who's never done anything with this. He is a professional, but right. he's yeah, very, very good at what he does and very good at, at putting it together and like um, yeah.
0: Setting aside the awful theology and just general storytelling of most Christian movies that have come out recently. One of my one of my bigger complaints was always the quality of the production. Yeah. Like they would get better, but there was like shaky cams somewhere or bad storyline or a bad cut here or there. Whereas yeah. Calvinist, you don't have any of that from production side. You have a very yeah. a very smooth following flowing documentary from start to finish. You have great use of visuals. You'd you'd mentioned to me that Lindsay yeah, your L- wife that loved was that.
1: Lindsay's big thing. Lindsay's a huge visual person and so there's a lot of like as they explain different theological terminology or points or like they go through these different doctrines and kind of look at what does this mean and as, as Les explains it and, and walks through it um, or, or the people that he's interviewing explain it he throws all these different illustrations that are very uh, animated to kind of demonstrate exactly what's being said and they're, they're really really good uh, it's, it really helps hammer the point home and Lindsay was talking about like, for me, I'm an, I'm an auditory learner. Like, I could sit down and listen to audio with no visuals whatsoever and be fine. But Lindsay's a very visual learner. And so having those visuals really helped her through the movie. Like, she said they, they were really, really beneficial and really helpful. So
0: Yeah, I thought they were fantastic. His use of that they were, is... They were very good. Again, his, his the film quality, the camera quality, the audio quality. There's, like, maybe one or two parts where the audio quality is not the greatest. But the really cool thing is Les was he's intelligent enough and has worked in this field enough that he realizes that and so he puts subtitles up for you. Yeah, yeah. So you still know what's being said and you don't... You're not sitting there straining and replaying it trying to figure out what, what was just said.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was really so,
0: good. So, yeah, from a production standpoint, um, great content, the content of it. Again, we we gave you a list of the guys that are in it. The content of this movie is, is fantastic. It, it covers these points in, in a, a very... In very good fashion. It, again, the fact that they're willing to mention, like, cage stage Calvinism and the dangers of good. the popularity of, of uh, semi popularity of Reformed theology. And, yeah. And those oh, things, dude, that's like, very that's wise. something
1: else we should, we could hit on here while we're talking about this that we had a John Parker, I think, asked really early on in the Facebook group whenever we first started it and everything. He, he posted a question asking us our opinion on the Young Restless Reform Movement, which was a part of that documentary. Yeah. And so we can probably talk We could talk a little bit about you know, what, be, what are our thoughts on that, um, that movement.
0: I think that would be a really good idea. So here's kind of the structure. I'm thinking Mark and I didn't talk this one over a whole lot. Again, really busy week and crazy week for both of us. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking we could go – talk a little bit about the history of the Reformation and just the impact that's had on the church again with that anniversary coming up. And then, I don't think we need to touch on the doctrines of grace since we're going to be springboarding into those. Yeah,
1: we'll be, we'll be launching into those.
0: And so from there we could get into the the young Restless Reformed movement and then a little bit about confessionalism and creeds Sure. before we transform. Cool. Transform? Good. Yeah, we're going to transform here. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. No.
1: See, you went to Power Rangers. I went to straight-up Transformers. I, I thought that at first, but kids. for some
0: reason, Power Rangers came out of my mouth. Like My brain was <laughs> screaming Transformers, but my mouth usually doesn't listen to my brain, which is why I say half the crap I say. But yep. anyway, um, so so let's talk a little bit about that, like kind of the history of the Reformation, because it didn't start here. It didn't start with Tulip or Calvinism. Nope. I and mean, Calvin yeah. wasn't even around for the development of Tulip. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, it came way after.
0: But let's let's just talk a little bit about the significance of it, okay. the impact it, it's had on the church, and the impact kind of that we need to be seeing on the church right now. I was talking with a, a member of my church tonight, actually, one of our pastor's sons. We were just talking about some theological things tonight at a the fall festival we were having there, and I was telling him that you know as I was sitting and thinking about the fact we're coming up on the Reformation. A lot of the things that the Reformers were fighting against have become pervasive in the church again and we need to get back to, to what yeah. the Reformation was pushing back against. So what was kind of the uh, the setting, would you say, at that at that time frame? I'm gonna defer the, to the guy who's in seminary.
1: <laughs> the set, I know too. I mean,
0: your voice is just better than mine, I've been rambling for a while.
1: Yeah, the I mean the setting is it was the religion, Christianity, I mean, it, there was the Catholic Church. That was pretty much it. I mean, you'd had earlier, you'd had a split to, to the Eastern Orthodox Church, but that was um, Catholicism without a pope. And so... It, Essentially, yeah. Yeah, there wasn't much of a, a change there. Uh, just, I mean, you had the the Catholic Church really running running things, and they had a... I mean from a political perspective even, they had the Pope and the, the um, I don't even know what you want to call it, the papacy, I guess, had had a hold of, of political leaders and, and kings and queens were um, really, uh, their decisions had to be heavily based on, on how it would affect their relationship with the Catholic Church and how it would affect their relationship with the Pope because the Catholic Church brought money into countries and brought some religious support and all kinds of stuff. And so um, it's really interesting when you read and look into different kings and queens of that time uh, to see how their decisions and the way that they ruled was affected by the power of the Catholic Church. Yeah, it's especially interesting
0: to see as you see stuff go on, like you get to the Council of Trent, which was one of the first councils that really affirmed the inerrancy of the Pope. And you like there was a statement made there that this just goes to those political things. And I mean, this is down the, down the line quite a ways. That was in response to Protestantism coming out. But they uh, when they said the pope was inerrant, they, essentially the way they worded it conveyed to the mind of, of kings that um, it was the pope they had to worry about not their local bishops. And so there was a king, and I wish I could remember which one it was right now. But he basically started kind of doing whatever he wanted to do the pope would approve of. And not caring about what bishops were advising him, he's like, "No, you guys don't have authority. The Pope has the ultimate authority. And as long as I don't take him off, I'm good." And yeah. so they ended up rewording those documents to show, "No, the bishops still have authority." But that was that was the the role that it played, especially back in the Reformation era. Like they didn't want to take off bishops. They didn't want to go against the Pope. They were very much trying to keep in line with the leaders in the Catholic Church. Yeah, and yeah, those, very much so. Keeping those relations, and you have you have Christianity being different, and there still were were pockets of, of Christianity of the church that were not Catholic, but they were very minimal and they were very oppressed in that yeah. in that well, era. And,
1: and you didn't have um, like when you look at, at the Bible, it was not available for common use. You had the the Latin Vulgate, and that was that was pretty much it. And so you had to read Latin in order to read Scripture. And even then, the the Latin Vulgate was translated by. The bishops and the pope and there was all kinds of things that were added or taken away or changed to really push that um, the, the Catholic agenda essentially and, and that was I mean when you read about guys like William T- Tyndale and and stuff they they notice like when reading the Latin Vulgate they're like no this isn't good enough like one pe- the common people should be able to read the bible and, and two no B it's 1B one B, and and B, <laughs> the uh, the the God's word needs to be translated out of the original languages and in the, in the texts of Greek and Hebrew, not out of this Latin Vulgate that we have. And so, um, when you have Martin Luther who wrote the German Bible uh, or translated the Bible. No, into he didn't. German, he didn't write the Bible. He didn't write it. He he translated it into German. Uh, but really, what what set him off? What got him to to go to the extreme of nailing 95 theses to the, to the doors of the Wittenberg, uh, and to, to really launch what became the Protestant Reformation was the way that the Catholic church was putting forth indulgences. Um, essentially you were able to buy forgiveness or buy grace for your sins that you hadn't yet to commit. And so, um, people could and actually there's a really good explanation and, and visual illustration within Calvinist on indulgences uh, he less explains that really really well yeah. um, but there's essentially a, a tr- treasure stored up of, of grace over and above and, and this is where you get into works versus faith right you had the saints and stuff had enough grace f- to merit for themselves. And then they had more grace on top of that, or more mercies um, that they didn't need because they didn't sin enough to need those mercies. And so those are stored up. And then the Catholic Church started selling those to its members and saying, oh, for these sins that you have, rather than having to pay them back yourselves, you can give us money, and we will give you, grant you indulgences, and, and this is mercies or forgiveness for your sins that you have not committed yet. Um which was I mean that that that's really was kind of the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back for Luther and that was the what really set him to say, Okay, this is wrong and this needs a change. Yeah and, and and he launched the the Protestant Reformation essentially.
0: And I wanna say this before we get too much farther into to what kind of occurred there. If you look back to the patric- Ooh, Patristic Fathers. And, and the early church and even early, the early catholic church like Augustine St. Augustine would have been considered catholic at least the catholics tried to claim him yeah. and but you see a very different theology there and you see it kind of being corru- become corrupt over over time very yeah, very much like Israel would would write their ways and then over time would fall back away from following god and and you see that kind of is what occurred within the catholic church there is they had had this solid theology, they were the true church, and then as time went on, it began to become more and more corrupt, and they started to fall away from the teachings of Scripture and the teachings of the early fathers and started clinging to traditions that they allowed to become part of their, their teaching in their church. And again, you got Scripture out of the hands of laymen, which took away a lot of accountability that's supposed to be there for your shepherds within the church yeah like there's there's accountability that's held for shepherds when the laymen have Bibles because they're able to test the teachings against scripture, and when you take that away, you empower those those shepherds to teach whatever they want, yeah without any accountability, well with limited accountability,
1: yeah, which is a problem
0: it is, and so yeah and what's really interesting too is like when luther Luther composed his ninety five theses, he wasn't coming out saying Catholicism is bad, he wasn't saying all these nasty things about the Catholic Church that he would say later on in life, yeah. he was just trying to start a discussion and, and was saying, "I don't yeah. think these things are right." And when the Catholic Church responded, wanting nothing to do with it, that's when he kind yeah. of,
1: yeah, very much so,
0: broke away. And so, I mean, if you read the Ninety-five Theses, there's I mean, he, quite a few things yeah. in there that still have theological issues with them.
1: Oh yeah, and that's I mean Martin Luther was a monk. He was he was part of the Catholic Church and, um training up, in, in a sense, for that. So that right. was a, yeah, he, he wasn't um, initially super anti-Catholic. Um, he, he wanted to see the Catholic Church fix what it was doing wrong. That he was, wanted
0: to see the Reformation yeah. occur within the Catholic Church, not yes. against the Catholic yeah. Church.
1: And, and when the Catholic Church responded the way it did, and you have these other um, fathers of the Reformation that start coming up and, and joining and... and um, it it became a strong Protestant Reformation the the protest right they were, it was established against the Catholic Church because it became clear um, that the Catholic Church was not going to um, change or 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 make um, those amendments within itself to to try to become more biblical and so I mean and we we've talked about the five solas and how I mean, we went through those some, and those weren't, you know, written out by the Protestant the fathers of the Reformation, right? The nine and the ninety-five theses. There wasn't five of them. wasn't the five solas. Those aren't the first but, five
0: of the ninety-five theses. <laughs> and then the next five or two.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but the, it was a. Um, Really, that just—that's the summary of what the Protestant Reformation was and what the the fathers of the Reformation wanted to get back to. And there's actually—I uh, don't know if you've been listening to it here in October. Desiring God has been doing a um, like series. I think it's just called "Here I Stand," but they've been going through different um, members of the Reformation who were very instrumental and did some very radical things for the Reformation. Um, and every single day they release a short blog post uh, about these different people.
0: Gotcha. And yeah, I haven't been keeping up on that.
1: That's. I highly recommend that because it's very concise and it's got a lot of good information uh, written by a lot of smart guys. And so you can really see uh, kind of it all come together. And th- they talk about people who were really recognizing the issues with the Catholic Church like hundreds of years before Luther. Um, so you have
0: John Huss who was... Yeah. Hundreds I mean, of years before. Or well, a yeah. hundred years before Luther about.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, because he's the one who said in a hundred years... There'll um, be a swan. There'll be a swan, yeah. And, um, yeah, that that's really interesting when you look into that. Because he says in a hundred years there'll be the swan that, that rises up and um, against Catholic and Church. And a hundred years later, almost exactly, you have Almost, Luther. Yeah. yeah. To be
0: fair... I, I think people kinda sometimes read into that more than they should. I do think it's interesting. Yeah. But
1: And I mean I am not saying like he was giving some divine prophecy, but it's I don't know that Luther
0: is my swan I want to follow. <laughs> just yeah, saying.
1: That's Luther had problems too. That's that's one thing I think we need to recognize and this So I'm gonna get into what's happening today with the Reformation and, and this kind of YRR movement right now, because I think this needs to be addressed. Yeah. You just kinda of brought it up where I think we need to do a better job of recognizing that the fathers of the reformation were not perfect and not by do, any means we, we need to do a better job at recognizing that they were still sinners. They were still fallen men and that they needed the grace of God as much as we do, as much as the Catholics do. Um, they are, they were still sinners and we, we, yes, they had a lot of great things to say. Uh, yes, their boldness to proclaim the gospel and, and push the church to be faithful to god's word is amazing and has been instrumental god has used them tremendously and and we we need to be very thankful for what they've done but we need to recognize that they are still people and that and i mean that the the way that we treat them and talk about them sometimes the way that this young restless reformed group can can speak about the fathers of the reformation would make the fathers of the reformation uncomfortable right they they didn't they didn't think that they were perfect they didn't think their theology was perfect they didn't they didn't they didn't want us to be following them they wanted us to be following god's word and so we need to i think do exactly what they wanted in that and and seek to be faithful to god not faithful to them right um and I know guys who are like, well, I don't call myself a Calvinist because I don't follow Calvin, I follow Christ. And it, that's a neat statement. I mean, I think saying I'm a Calvinist is helpful in the sense that people know what that means. And so it, it's, it's an easy way to define where I stand.
0: I will say I tend, to prefer, I tend to prefer Reformed to Calvinist. Me too,
1: me too. Uh, but, but when I say, like, I am Calvinistic in my soteriology, right? Like, that's, that's right. an accurate statement. But um, I do think that there is a, a sentiment there in that people say that because they've seen the cage stages, right? The, the crazy Calvinists who come out, or the bad Calvinists, as Doctrine and Devotion puts it, who are so set on Calvin, not, not necessarily on God's Word, but they're, they're more likely to tell you to read through Calvin's Institutes than they are to tell you to read through Scripture. That's a problem. And that, that needs to be addressed because we're not um, we're not Calvin's followers. We're, we're followers of our Lord and Savior. And so um, I just think that's something that we need to, to do better at. And it can be something that we fail at pretty easily because the, the, the Reformers and the Puritans had great things to say and, and they're very beneficial. But we need to read them the way we read everyone else and recognize that they're not perfect.
0: Definitely, yeah, I mean, 100%. And that's that's something that's always kind of puzzled me with Luther. Like, so many people champion him as this great hero of the faith. And, and don't get me wrong, he did great things. But he was the the match that lit the fire. But looking at Luther's theology, he still had a lot of, of pretty serious issues with some things yeah. that he espoused and believed. And, I mean, you just go look through some Luther quotes and you find some pretty disturbing ones in there. Yeah, and so he, he the was only had,
1: once removed from the Catholic Church. <laughs>
0: Very much so. And he, again, he had some fantastic, fantastic things to say and kicked off, again, one of the most pivotal moments in church history that we're still seeing the repercussions of today, and in a good way. Yeah. But but Luther himself was not the, my he's not my choice theologian to go read. Like, he's oh. not the guy I'm going to be directing people to to develop and build their theology. Yeah. So... There's,
1: cer- there's certain works from Luther that are super worth reading. I, I mean, I would recommend *The Bondage of the Will* to pretty much anyone. Right. Um, but there's stuff from Luther that's just like, eh, yeah, probably not not what I care to read or spend my time on.
0: Yeah, but I would I would agree wholeheartedly. We do have to recognize that these men were men, and they said things wrong. And even something you touched on, like Luther being once removed from the, Cal- the Catholic Church, even like all all of the reformers at that time, they had they still had some semblances of the influence of the Catholic Church and whether that was influences of they adopted some Catholic theology into their theology or they swung too far and over correction against some yep. of the teachings of the Catholic Church and so being aware of that is, is definitely something that, that we need to have going into reading their works and, and the same for people today like there are there are false doctrines today and there are some people who will say oh it's okay like this one's not a big deal and they integrated it and it, it, it's something that needs to be addressed. Or there are people who make too big of a deal and overcorrect and swing to the other side, in their effort yeah. to avoid it. And so, um, adopting theology that's bad or overcorrecting to the other side is a, is a danger in the theological world, and in the in the church. And it, it does occur. So, but at least being aware of that, hopefully, we can catch it when we see it or when it's occurring, instead of letting it go unchecked. Absolutely. But, yeah. And I mean, the same goes. The same goes with us. Like, don't hear us dogging the reformers. Like, Mark and I have bad theology somewhere. Oh yeah. <laughs> as as much as we can, we want to be as accurate as we can. And I I think I can pretty well speak for Mark on this because he tends to function all like I do. Like, you won't hear me really talking about a theological concept or or doctrine if I haven't chewed through it, thought through it, checked it through a scripture. Because yeah. I want to be as accurate as I possibly can and and anything
1: I'm going to say I'm going to try to point you to scripture to check yourself
0: right but at the end of the day I am still a human and so while my prayer is that my theology is 100% accurate and I'm seeing God as accurately as I can that may be a bit of a fool's errand while still in our fallen state so but it's what we're called to and so we should be striving for that and we should be striving to to see him as accurately as we can as Christians again and I have said this before and this, I feel like this is becoming my new uh, my new motto but we need to see God as accurately as we can so that in light of that we see ourselves accurately and that drives us to worship yep and and so that should be the goal of the Christian life that's again why theology is important and so touching on that like the implications of the reformation for today the the purpose of the reformation was to get back to these five solas above and beyond what what calvinism is like uh, there are brothers and sisters I have who are Arminian who I, I greatly respect. And I, I'm okay with calling them brothers and sisters. Yeah. Because they agree they agree on these five solas. So you don't have to agree with me on the five points of Tulip in the exact verbiage they're put down. I do think there are implications that come out of that that we have to agree on.
1: There is, yeah.
0: But we don't have to agree on those things exactly. We do have to agree on the five solas. And yeah. and again, there are, there are brothers and sisters who would be more Arminian in their theology who hold the five solas and so as long as we agree on those I think we're we're in pretty good standing yeah the, the issue is we're seeing those kind of fade away in the church at least in America I can't speak for the world but at least in America we're seeing those fade away I mean we talked about that a little bit when we were talking about Sola Scriptura and Sola Fide and Sola Gratia and or radia. Sola Gratia yeah <laughs> um, but we talked about that and how how some churches are falling away from that and that's that's an issue, and we see people calling for us to join ecumenically, which just means join calling them a true church with Catholics, with Catholicism, because there's been such an attack on Judeo-Christian values in America. People want to say, well, now the time we have to band and unite, and what baffles me is you wouldn't hear Christians saying that in the Mormon church, because it's clear that they have some pretty messed up doctrine.
1: Yeah, or Jehovah's Witness.
0: But you hear with the Catholic Church when the Catholic Church has just as many grave errors as Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness do. And that's really been coming to light to me as I've been reading through Are We Together by R.C. Sproul. And, like, I just hit the chapter where he's talking about the way they treat Mary within the Catholic Church. And it is, it's some messed up stuff. And so, please hear me, I want to qualify this. I'm not saying everybody who claims to be Catholic agrees with or holds to these doctrines. I do think we have brothers and sisters within the Catholic Church. But I do not think that anyone who is a Christian can honestly practice the Catholic faith the way it is meant to be practiced. And I don't think we should allow the leaders within the Catholic Church to go unchecked teaching what they've been teaching and are teaching. I
1: I don't remember if this was you that said this, or if somebody else might have said this to me, so you can tell me if... If you said it or not, I'll give, give let you take the credit. Even if it's not yours and you like it, you can take credit, I guess. Um, Sounds good to me. So I remember somebody saying to me, you know, talking about, there, there's definitely Christians that are within the Catholic Church. Like, true, born-again, God has saved their souls, Christians. Um, but I, I remember someone saying to me, God did not... They were not saved by the Catholic Church. They were saved in spite. God saved them in spite of the Catholic Church.
0: I wish that was me. I don't think I could word it that well.
1: Gotcha. It, it wasn't, and I. so I don't remember who it was. Um, if it's somebody listening to the podcast who said that, let me know because I'm curious. <laughs> but <laughs> If I think, not, I, th- I just
0: get credit by default.
1: Yeah, there you go. I, I think that's really good, though, to, to recognize, you know, yeah, there are true believers within the Catholic Church, but they weren't saved because of Catholic do- doctrine. And if God saved them in spite of that doctrine, God saved them and showed them the true gospel um, by his own means because that definitely did not come out of the way the Catholic Church presents um, the gospel. It's, it's, definitely. It's flat out wrong.
0: And I do want to, I want to throw this out there too. If you're listening to the podcast, because I know a lot of people I know used to be practicing Catholics and have converted from it and still have family who are practicing Catholics, please don't hear me attacking you or demonizing you or anything like that. But there are serious errors. And so like Martin Lloyd-Jones, we talked about him on the last podcast. Billy Graham put together this World Council of Churches or of Christians and Martin Lloyd-Jones refused to be on it because Catholics were on it and he did not want to acknowledge that they were a true church and that they taught true doctrine. And I think that's the stance we need to be taking today. Not that we need to be going to war with the Catholic Church or anything like that. But I think people need to be made aware of the dangers of it because it it's kind of been lost within the church. Yeah. And so and again I think that goes back to sound theology and and such not being taught by and large within the American church. And there are there are a bunch of churches that do, and they do it very well. But there's also a bunch that don't. Yep. Absolutely. And so so I think the implications for Reformation are seeing that I mean we live in an age that's Again, you have that. You have the push of that. You have liberalism running rampant within the church. And Dude, I can
1: t- I can tell you as someone in seminary that the liberalism that has kind of dominated um, theological study, especially, is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and again, that's not yeah. that's not
0: new. Like, it's it's not no, like something not. that's just springing up. Again, uh, we mentioned Doctor Terry Chrisop's book, "Confessing to Jesus Lord," on the last podcast. His other one, his doctoral thesis, was on J. Gresham Machen. And, and,
1: and yeah, and Machen was fighting against uh, textual liberalism. criticism and stuff, hardcore.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so it's, it's out there, and this Reformation needs to occur. The problem is, I think a lot of times they go, oh, well, that's just on the seminary level, or oh, that's just in some churches. Well, bleeds. if we let it go unchecked and we don't yeah. address it, it starts seeping into the church, because you have, you have members of the local body who are unequipped, not, not by their failure necessarily, but by the failure of the church to equip them, and so they'll go pick a book up at your Christian bookstore. Well, at least the main line Christian bookstores aren't very discriminatory as to what they sell.
1: No, nope. I mean, so... they, they are, yeah. I'm going to quote uh, Tim Drury, who was one of my pastors and a great friend growing up uh, who, who discipled me. Um, he's always talked about how you have, like, Christian bookstores or Christian publishing houses um when you look i'm going to i'm going to throw this one out there is is li- like like place lifeway, Life, lifeway uh, which is a publishing house they are a publishing house first they're not the church they're there to make money and right. so they may have some good stuff but they're likely going to have some really bad stuff too because they're going to sell what's going to make them money because that they are a business and so and again we, that's we not an attack on lifeway it. necessarily it's not a, no just be discerning about what you're picking up from anywhere
0: right yeah. Even even publishers like, I mean, even the Good Book Company or, I'm trying to think of, of some of the other ones, Banner of Truth, like, even those places that are pretty well known for having really solid stuff, again, anything you're taking, be checking back with scripture yeah. and be discerning against. Yeah, and, and
1: you get, I, I think of things, too, like, like Crossway, who publishes the ESV Bible and stuff. They they have some great stuff and some not so great stuff. Zondervan's another one.
0: Zondervan uh, is one. Yeah, I was thinking of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're, any publishing house, they're going to have... A combination of both like be that we've stressed this I, you say you have your tagline I, my tagline i think is be discerning about what you read and who you listen to yeah uh,
0: and again use yeah. those resources use donovan use lifeway use crossway use banner of truth just be discerning as yeah. to what you're using it's
1: not scripture it's it's written by man so right um treat it as but, such
0: but back to my point you uh so you have lay people who go and pick up these books, and they'll read them, and this this false doctrine just seeps in little by little, because they haven't been taught these times. They haven't been taught to look for sound doctrine, or even what sound doctrine is necessarily. Yeah. And not that I think there are these pastors going, "Oh, I'm going to withhold sound doctrine." I think a lot of times, unfortunately, our thought process is, "Well, these theological concepts, these doctrines, they're for the pastors. They're for the missionaries." They're for the seminary students. They're not for the layperson. And they are. Like, we're falling into the same trap the Catholic Church was. Yep. And so we need to see these things being taught within the Church. Again, not, not so people get heady, but so that they are led to worship. And so if we're not yeah. doing this with application, then we're, we're missing the mark. But, I mean, there's lots of theological st- or. Theological statements that people wouldn't consider theological statements that are just kind of taglines right now in Christianity yeah. that that have issues like the whole, just ask Jesus into your heart. There's an issue with that. That's not biblical. The, the Bible never says, pray and ask Jesus into your heart. The Bible no. says, confess Christ as Lord and follow after him. Arrange yourself in a position under him where he's an authority and you're living differently. Yeah. And And scripture never places the emphasis on salvation on the faith that I place in Christ. It always places it on cr- what Christ has done for me and how he's saved me. And so, but people hear that and they use that. And I've, I've used that in the past because it's just kind of what you hear going around in the church Yep. and it, it can Definitely. be dangerous. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's a lot of implications. If we get into all of them, we're going to run way too long on this yeah. podcast.
1: That's a, like kind of full circle with that. When, when I, when I'm looking at the, the YRR movement, the Young Restless Reform movement. Yeah, I wanted to get that into that, so like.
0: let's jump into that.
1: We uh, we don't, like, I think there's a lot of good things that have come out of there, but I think... Um,
0: I tend to try to avoid it being associated with that.
1: Yeah, it it, it tends to connotate arrogance. Um, because, It's. I mean, it, it's been a part of that... At this point, it's almost young. Young restless reform is almost synonymous with cage Stager, right? Where, where it's very much in, so. Um, it's a person who's going to do more harm than good, so they need to just stop. Um, and it's it's a passion because they're learning new things, and they it's a passion for truth, but it's not a passion that's driven by grace, and so or by love, or by love exactly. And so, um, I think that it, it's something that needs to be kept in check I don't think it I wouldn't say that it's bad because I I think ultimately the the drive to get back to the soul is to get back to the scripture to get back to the confessions and the creeds and things like that is good but we need to recognize why we're doing it and how to communicate that with others and we need to do so lovingly and graciously because at the end of the day like you said your our our our, our Arminian brothers who don't affirm the doctrines of grace with us are still our brothers and they're still right. believers that we can come alongside, um, missiologically, and, and uh, still proclaim the gospel, and we can still um, evangelize with them and, and take part with them. Because, again, we're 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 saved by the same grace.
0: Definitely, yeah, and and I think that is the the one of the bigger issues of the Re- young, restless, reformed, in is is what you said there that they tend to be very you hold through our version of reformed theology or you're not a christian yep which is an accusation that you can't be leveling no, against people
1: that's that's a heavy thing to claim
0: so like declaring something is heresy or is damnable or anathema which are all the same thing there you go three three cinnamons oh, <laughs>
1: anathema cinnamons.
0: anathema uh you know me i always pronounce anathema you know what? I like it better that way. That's what I'm going to name my first daughter. Not really. That would be a horrible name for a kid. Anyway. <laughs>
1: What's your anyway. daughter's name? Her name is Anathema.
0: <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> you don't want to know. Oh, no. That would be a horrible name for a kid. Anyway, all, all of those things. To declare those things is a very big deal. And so those aren't accusations you should be leveling lightly. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm willing to level heresy against uh, the majority of the Catholic Church's teachings. Yep. I'm not willing to do that against my Armenian brothers, even my Molinist brothers. And yeah. and so, again, if we agree on on these solas, if we agree that it's, it's faith alone and Christ alone by grace alone to the glory of God alone that saves us, and that Scripture alone is our ultimate authority, inspired by God and sufficient for the believer, we can call each other as brothers and sisters. Yep. And there are a few other things that go along with that. I'd say the Trinity is a, a pretty big deal that we need yeah. to agree on.
1: But we can, We'll get into that as we go through this uh, doctrines of grace and things like that as well,
0: right, but with that said that's that's one of the big grievances. I mean you have that a lot with those young restless reform guys they'll be saying, "Oh well, if you don't believe that God's predestined you, then you are not a christian and yeah, if, and if you don't like affirm that, the
1: three forms of unity, the shorter and longer catechisms, and the Westminster Confession um, as well as carry a sixteen eleven King James only Bible, then you're not a believer, like
0: yeah. And, and Calvinist actually does bring out, like, the champion of Young Restless Reformed, which is Mark Driscoll. And yep. you know me. You know I loved Mark Driscoll before he, he yep. had all this stuff come out. And I still, honestly, will use quotes from him, will use some of his resources, because he'd said some stuff in some really great ways. One of the issues I had with Driscoll before, and the issue that ended up becoming the issue for him, was the way he would say things was unnecessarily abrasive at times. Yeah and so again that same kind of you know we don't need to, we can speak truth but we're called to be speaking truth in love and not to be these clanging cymbals or noisy gongs Yeah, we're called and to that, be speaking the, in love and the,
1: the arrogance from Driscoll led to I mean it led to unrepentance which is, is a problem and it so that danger exists for all of us
0: yeah and I'd really like to I, I should go listen to some of his sermons now and see where his theology is
1: yeah, I'd, now because really I'm I'm
0: curious because I haven't I haven't looked much up or listened much about it since everything that occurred with him and and again I felt for the guy like when everything happened like that's real danger in ministry and he's not the only guy that's had it he was just in such a public position that it really came out and there was a lot of stuff that went down really poorly like false accusations that were leveled against him death threats that were sent to him and his family, and there was stuff like that that just was not cool and very, very sad to see. And so, whenever that happens, our reaction should not be, well, good, we're glad we're rid of him. Our reaction should be heartbreak and prayer for repentance from them and prayer that they would come back to God and follow after him and see the error of their ways. Absolutely. So, But anyway, so all that to say, that, that's kind of our thoughts on the YRR. If you have more specific questions on that or anything, let us know, and we will follow up on that. Yeah. I, will, I will add this one last thing, since we've just been talking about it with the YRR. I will say that was the one very minor issue I took with, with Calvinist, and that was I felt at times it was maybe a little more abrasive towards Arminians than it needed to be. Gotcha. And, and not that I'm one who is promoting or even really okay with Arminian theology, I mean, if you ask me, in essence, it's semi-Pelagian and Pelagian heresy, which was condemned as heresy. But I think uh, that most yeah. most professing Arminians don't hold to that version of Arminianism.
1: Yeah, I, I think I, it'd be cool at some point to talk about consistency in theological views.
0: I, I really think it would be, too, because I think the majority of people don't hold to the consistent theological views and don't think out the logical implications of what they espouse as their theological views. Yep. But... Yeah, so that's that's Calvinist again. Great movie. Reformation, huge deal. Read stuff from the Reformers, again, with discernment. But I think it's important for us to know what's gone down in church history. And people is. complain about that with America, that people don't read history and it repeats itself. The same can be said of the church. If we're not reading church history, we're going to allow it to repeat itself. The cool we're seeing thing that is, a little
1: bit.
0: <laughs> we are. The cool thing is, and the major difference is, God is going to be faithful yes. to keep his church through. The scary thing is... That doesn't mean it's going to be in America. Nope. And so we need to be pushing back to getting back to biblical and scriptural, like the same word there. Again, I'm, a, I'm all aboard the cinnamon train tonight. Also, I use cinnamon intentionally instead of synonym because I just like to. But anyway, we need to be cautious, and we need to be seeing this, and we need to be pushing for reform. Again, Semper rep- Reformanda, always reforming yeah. within the church. So, So that's that. Let's... Let's talk a little so, about phones. In let's the talk a little we have bit left. about
1: phones. So I, this is kind of—I I don't have a whole lot to say here. Yeah, this—this so. this, this is my idea. Just uh, with there's some big phone releases happening, and I mean phones have become a big, big deal with smartphones and everything anymore. Um, and phones are a very technological thing, and there's a lot of people who aren't big on technology, and so I hate um,
0: technology. <laughs>
1: And so really. I th- I thought it could be helpful um, for some of you guys at least, or at least interesting for others who maybe are more technologically um, adept as well, to kind of give a very brief oh, and oh. simple what this,
0: this is not related to phones at all. But I want to say this before I forget because it's something I care about, and so you can be quiet for a minute. Um, I'm kidding. I love you.
1: <laughs> Michael
0: Bisping is full of crap, and he's gonna get the crap kicked out of him. By Dude, George St. Pierre.
1: Why are we here? This this is nothing I, to do with our podcast.
0: I don't care. I just thought of it, and I cannot wait to see Bisbee and get the tar kicked out of him.
1: Okay. Okay. For, proceed for the on two phones. other people that watch MMA fighting, you can enjoy conversations with Luke. Uh, yes.
0: I love MMA fighting. I need to get back into MMA training.
1: Oh, my. Um, we're going to go back to phones now. So, <laughs> the reason that we wanted to uh, kind of bring this up is just... I was hoping we could give kind of a brief overview of some of the more popular phones and give you got, people kind of an idea of, at least on very simple terms, the good and the bad um, with different phones. Because you have the iPhone X releasing right now, the Galaxy S8 came out this year, the LG G5, um, and then Google just put out like the Pixel 2. And so there's there's a lot of phones and a lot of options right now. And it's I've had times in the past where I've bought phones that I thought were going to be good and ended up being garbage, and so um, it's become a big deal for me to do a lot of research on phones before I buy one, uh, so I kind of wanted to, to just talk on that a little bit. So, do you have The only anything? thing I have to
0: say, okay. the only thing I have to say is, please don't buy Apple's overpriced crap.
1: Okay, so that's we'll start with the iPhone then. Uh, so, the iPhone X just became available for pre-order, uh, actually on Friday, so... Um, they announced it a while ago and so he, here's what I'm going to say about the iPhone X I will talk a
0: little bit about uh, the Motorola when we get into that too yeah.
1: what I'll say about the iPhone X is if you've been an Apple user or if you do very simplistic phone use um, it's going to do what you want it to do it's going to do it smoothly uh, I, I, I will give it that I'm not going to just sit here and, and bash Apple because I'm trying to be as objective as possible um, it's going it, to it'll work well because they their stuff works 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 well my biggest issue with the iPhone X is not i mean again you're going to get performance out of it you're not going to get a $1000 worth of performance out of it okay the 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 amount that this phone costs is not worth its features it it's just not um there's a ton of other options that if you're willing to deal with a different user interface, if you're willing to deal with Android, um, which I know can be have a learning curve, but ultimately, I mean, it's it's really not that much harder to use. The, the advantage of Android is it can be as e- simple or complex as you want it to be. And so um, it can be very easy to use, too, as long as you're willing to get used to it. And it's going to be a lot cheap. There's a lot better phones for a lot cheaper. Um, The iPhone X is just ridiculously overpriced. So if you want to get the iPhone X, it's going to do what you want it to do. I know, like, I did the poll in our group, and so many people have iPhones. Um, With that, I I want to say, if you want an iPhone, or if you're looking to get a new iPhone, get the iPhone 7, or the iPhone 7S, or um, whatever it's called because you're you're going to pay a lot better price for basically the same features. There's really not much improvement from iPhone to, from iPhone 7 to iPhone X. There's just not. So or I guess iPhone 8 maybe. I honestly don't remember. My wife has I think whatever the most recent one is and she likes it fine and it was way cheaper than $1000. So um I don't recommend the iPhone X, but if you're going to get it just know that you're paying a lot more for not that much, uh, so that's. I mean, I'm I'm not even going to go through like specs or anything like that. Um, the other big one right now is Samsung Galaxy S8, and that phone I I've heard good things about. I don't have it. Um,
0: it looks pretty comparable to the. It's iPhone very. I mean, Samsung,
1: Samsung has become one of the big flagships that competes with iPhone, and so they they put out good quality stuff. Um, I've had good experience with Samsung phones in the past. I will say with Galaxy S7, um, Lindsey had that phone at one point, and it overheated. It it had some... So the Galaxy Note was the phones that were like blowing up because they were having horrible overheating problems um, with their batteries. But Lindsey's S7 actually didn't blow up or anything, but the internals got hot enough that it fried the screen. Um, And I think it did that to two of her phones. Two... Different, mo- different phones actually where it fried the screen So um, Samsung you have that to be aware about, they sometimes have more hardware issues but from a software perspective they'll be, it'll be good um, it's got a good camera, it's decent screen size um, the advantage of most Android phones versus the iPhone is you have expandable memory so you can buy a cheaper phone that's smaller and add a micro SD card to it to get a lot more storage space um, the iPhone does not allow for that. There is no expandable memory. Um, Galaxy S8 is also kind of an expensive phone, though. It's it's not a cheap phone either. So there's that to keep in mind as well. Um, my brother-in-law has the LG G5. LG is another brand that's higher. They they're um, they do some pretty cool stuff. They they actually have a, a removal, removable battery, which doesn't happen very much with phones anymore. Um, so if you ever wanted to swap a battery out, or it, it's very easy to do that. Um, I know C- if you look at CNET, they say that um, basically... So I, the LG kind of claimed itself to be like a Swiss army knife of smartphones. And they're like, it's not really that. It, if you want a removable battery, you get that. But it's not really a Swiss army knife. <laughs> Like it's it's not all this multifunctional thing. It's it's a good phone. Um, it's going to be comparable to like the S8 with camera and battery life and performance and all that stuff. I mean, again, you're we're getting into territory with phones. A lot of them are going to be comparable. It's just a matter of what's going to last and what's going to give you the most for your money. Um, the LG is probably is going to be the cheaper of of the three phones mentioned so far, and so. Um, that would be one to maybe look into if you're wanting to save some money, but still want one of those really sleek high end looking phones. Um, yeah. One plus five. I'm not going to say much about that one. That's a less well-known phone, but it's a much cheaper phone that performs really, really well. And one place it really performs is battery life. Like the battery is insane. Um, just it handles itself really well and it's, so where you have the iPhone X at like a thousand dollars, you have the Samsung Galaxy S8 I think's running like eight to nine hundred dollars. Um, the LG I think is somewhere. Uh, the LG G5 is actually only hanging around two fifty to three hundred dollars um, if you just buy the phone outright. So that's actually a really really decent price for that phone. Uh, it's also a little older. I think it came out a year ago or maybe even two years ago uh, yeah it's getting close to two years old now as a model so um, keep that in mind too it's not quite as up to date uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about my phone and then I'm going to make fun of Google for a little bit <laughs> um, <laughs> so I have the ZTE Axon 7 which is like a no name phone right ZTE is kind of an up they make some good stuff but I'd never really heard of them before I got this phone. Like I said, I do a lot of research before I got a phone. And um, this phone has been phenomenal. And it's, it's 400 bucks outright. I bought it at Best Buy. It can hold, like, so if you're one of those people who still has, like, a personal phone and a work phone, the Axon 7 can actually support two SIM cards. So you could have your work SIM card and your personal SIM card on the same phone. Um, and it would take calls from both numbers, take texts from both numbers, all that kind of stuff. Um, it also supports a 256-gig um, microSD card. So it's 64 gigs itself, and then has a massive amount of storage. Um, it's got a Quad HD display, which means it's going to be right on par with Samsung Galaxy S8 and, and the iPhone X um, and the Google Pixel. It's it's got a beautiful screen. It's got great battery life. It's got the fingerprint scanner. It's got a decent camera. It's not a great camera. Um one of my favorite things about the phone is the speakers. It has um front-facing stereo speakers on the top and bottom and my phone gets stinking loud. Like it's insane the the audio output that my phone has, which is really really nice. Um and like yeah, it's it's a very cheap phone, comparably. Like, when you're looking at the quality and the performance of it, it's less than half the price of your iPhone X or your Samsung Galaxy S8. So, it's it's definitely an option that I would highly recommend as someone who has loved my time with it. Um, So, Google put out, they started doing, like, they've been doing the phone thing for a while, but then they really tried to break mainstream with the Google Pixel. I don't know if you guys remember their first phone coming out last year. Uh, It looked super promising. It was a phone I was looking into getting. And it it was really funny. One of their marketing things, so it came out the same time that the iPhone 7 came out, where um, Apple was talking about how they took away the headphone jack. And so Google's marketing team did the most ingenious thing in the world. And they... ...put on their marketing page, like, going through all of the good features about the phone, was, we have a headphone jack. And they literally, like, their tagline on it was, you wouldn't think this needs to be a feature that's highlighted, but apparently it is. And so, they had this phone that, for whatever reason, like, they they marketed the headphone jack because Apple didn't have it anymore. Uh, And it was a very promising looking phone, but the Google Pixel 2 they just announced, and... Unfortunately, it's kind of gone similar to Apple. They've taken away their headphone jack. Um, it's launching with the newest version of Android that's going to be really nice. It's Again, it's going to be a phone that's going to perform. It's going to do what you want it to do. Probably not worth the money. Uh, I know that Google Pixel had a really terrible speaker on it, like external speakers. So if you're someone who likes to have good speakers on your phone, prob- I don't know how Google Pixel 2 is going to be. But that's something to keep in mind. Um, but it's it's cheaper. The um, Google Pixel XL is um, 850 So it's right there with the Galaxy S8. It's a little cheaper than the iPhone. Um, but it's still going to be a pretty expensive phone. So that's just... Those are some phones to... There's, there's good and bad, again. Any, any more, you're going to get performance out of these phones. Um, they're going to do uh, a lot of good stuff. And it, like if you get the iPhone, it's going to do what you want it to do. It's just a matter of figuring out where the most bang for your buck is. And for that, I, I personally recommend looking at some of the maybe less well-known phones because they're putting out really good quality phones for a lot cheaper just because they don't have the name attached to them. Um, and I know you use you're not as big into the smartphone stuff and you have a more... Um, yeah, I have a
0: pretty cheap one that yeah. I use. So I have a Motorola G, I think. Something like that. And I basically got that one just because it came with the plan I have. So I have Republic Wireless, who I'll go ahead and semi-shamelessly plug here. Like, it's not going to be a super huge plug for them. But if you want a budget system, at least out out where I live, because I live in the middle of nowhere, it works pretty well. And so it's like, if you want no, no data on your phone, you can get one for like 10 bucks a month and still have a, a sort of smartphone. And for like a couple of gigs, it's only like 20 bucks a month, which is what I have. And so it, it works pretty well for me, especially as someone who, who doesn't use a whole lot. I will say the biggest drawback of it is the phones are pretty expensive out the gate for what they are, like more expensive than you probably pay on them somewhere else. But it makes up for it if you stick with the plan for a while and overall the phone's been decent like mine has issues i'm the only one who knows it though i have no several people who have the same phone mine has an issue where it'll just randomly on like 70 percent or 80 percent down to like 30 percent it'll just decide it wants to be dead and so it'll power off and if i power back on it works fine that could be due to the fact that i'm rougher on things and so i may have knocked something loose in there or something but good job but yeah, it's, overall, it's it's a decent little phone. It it does what I needed to do. It, it makes calls pretty consistently. I will say the biggest issue with it is because where I live, I have no cell coverage. If my Wi-Fi is down for some reason, I get a text. When my Wi-Fi comes back up and I reconnect, I won't get that text until I leave my house and get back on cell coverage for whatever reason. And so there have been times where I've had like four or five texts pop through as I'm leaving my house and I get cell coverage. But... If, as long as it's connected to Wi-Fi everything calls so all that works pretty well so um, my biggest complaint about it honestly has been something I could fix if I wasn't so cheap and that's that it only has eight gigs of storage but again if I just bought a micro SD that would be taken care of no problem
1: yeah
0: and it's yeah it's sad the is a nice thing I actually uh, I actually picked up a, a switch over the weekend as well and i will probably well I'll definitely be getting a micro SD for that Way before I ever get one for my phone, yeah. so. But, but yeah, yeah. Again, I don't have a whole lot to say on this. I mean, you saw my phone before I had this, this one. It was, it was like a phone that still had like button keypad on it, and I had that for years. And so, I've usually used the phones more for the functionality of calls and such. And now that I have this one, I do really appreciate like the the major thing I want is to be able to stream music while I'm driving, and this one can do that. And so. As long as I have that, I'm pretty well content.
1: Yeah, I'm a lot more heavier phone user than you are, so.
0: Yeah, you definitely are, but it's not like I I don't enjoy those things or wouldn't enjoy those things if I had them. I just have never really cared to spend the money for it. Yeah. So. But, but yes, yeah, so so. there's a little bit about a little bit about phones, a lot about the Reformation. Yeah. Again, hit us up on Google Play. On iTunes, all those podcast catcher places to to listen to us. We changed in the future. What we're we did change
1: on. Yeah. from
0: SoundCloud to, to Pippa, Pippa or Pippa? P- I don't P- know how you P- say it. P-
1: Yeah, I don't
0: know either. Anyway, a little bit cheaper, much better services. And, yeah, and so we did switch over to that. So you will not find our stuff on SoundCloud in the future. But again, you'll be able to find it on all the podcast sites and the podcast catchers. Hit us up on Facebook. Join our group. Follow us on Twitter. Um,
1: we are still doing our any, giveaway. So if you you have not, yeah,
0: right now we haven't had very many entrants. So make sure you enter that.
1: If you're interested in winning, I mean, we are giving away books, free books. The Imperfect Disciple
0: and the Explicit Gospel for free. Just enter.
1: Yeah. So all you got to do is um, share our post on Facebook. It's in our group. And share
0: our page on Facebook. Comment on the post.
1: Yeah. Share our page. Comment on the post. I mean, it's. Make sure you do both of those things. That is one entry, and then yep. you can tweet us on Twitter your favorite thing from the entry. podcast. That's an entry. You can and rate then, us in iTunes. That's another entry.
0: So up to three entries. Which right now, again, with very few contestants, I don't know of any that have done all three. Nope. You have great odds. So come,
1: come win a free books. A get, free get those free books.
0: books. Also, something we're planning on doing here, you know, since, since Halloween's coming up is Mark and I are hoping to record a little bit of us playing Dead by Daylight the following so you can listen Dying to us light, scream and cry. What did I say? Oh, I said Dead by Daylight. Yeah, Dying. No, we can't record Dead by Daylight. I, no. I get scared in that game and say things I shouldn't. <laughs> Dying Light the following. Yes. So that will be up on our YouTube channel, which we realize we haven't added anything to yet. I'd like to get a little more active on that in the future. So if there's content you'd like to see, like video snips of stuff or stuff like that, let us know and give us ideas for that YouTube page. Yes, but, yeah as it stands we're hoping to get some some video and audio of us playing dying light and screaming like little girls when we get caught out at night so yep thanks for listening appreciate you guys and we'll catch you next week
1: bye bye